0: Over the past year, I've talked to folks who have struggled with darkness on some level due to the isolation caused by COVID and often fear. And on more than one occasion, when I noticed that someone was very, very anxious and seemed to be increasingly so, I would ask them, How much news are you watching? And in doing so, oftentimes I found that folks were so consumed in watching the news, and it doesn't take a rocket science if there were an alien to come down to this world, and it didn't matter which network he or she watched. He would discover whether the network leans to the left or leans to the right, that the way that it frames everything is almost designed to invoke anxiousness and fear. And why is that? It's like my grandmother Massey used to say years and years ago there's no news but bad news. How many people want to hear good news most of the time? Well, we think we do. But if they keep you hyped up on anxiousness and despair, they can keep you watching. And that's why you've heard me say more than one occasion that we need to spend a whole lot more time consuming the good news of Jesus Christ than we do the 24-hour-a-day news. It can depress anyone if you watch it. But even without the media, there are seasons in our lives that threaten us to consume us with darkness. It can be in the season of intense grief, immediately following the loss of a loved one. It can be a, a season of intense grief during a highly stressful time at work, Or at school. It can be a season of intense heartache following a breakup or a bitter divorce. It can be a season of intense anguish following a failure. A season of intense sorrow following rejection. It can be a season of intense anxiety due to an uncertain or even scary future. And it can be a season of intense emptiness after reaching the top and achieving your goal and being successful and finding that it is less than satisfying once you get there. Truth be told, sometimes we can even endure a dark season in our life for no apparent reason at all. You see, sometimes the darkness comes from the outside but sometimes it is the darkness that gnaws at us from the inside. Many of us remember Nobel Peace Prize winner Mother Teresa, who was known for her lifelong humility and service to the most poor in India. She sought to shine the light of Christ in the darkest of places in that country. Yet for all the exuberant joy that she exuded from her life, and the tenacious conviction, she too struggled with seasons of darkness. During one such season, she wrote to Father Joseph Newner, Darkness is such that I really do not see, neither with my mind nor with my reason. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. When the pain of longing is so great, I just long and long for God, and then it is that I feel he does not want me. He is not he- there. God does not want me. Sometimes I just hear my own heart cry out, my God, and nothing else comes. The torture and pain I can't explain. For those of us that remember her, we might find that hard to believe that all that was going on inside of her at times. Many hear such words and are frankly just disturbed by them. We think, where where is her faith? What's wrong with her? Perhaps there's a deeper psychological condition we might rationalize. While others are both comforted and made uncomfortable by such words because they can relate to her on a very real and personal level. One of the most amazing things about the Bible, though, is that it contains not only songs of victory and joy, but also prayers about loss and anguish. The book of Psalms is basically a hymn book, if you will, of prayers and choruses written and collected over the centuries that was used by the ancient Hebrews in worship in the second temple and later the synagogues. In this collection, we find both songs of triumph and sorrow. In most cases, a psalm that begins on a very dark note of despair almost always ends on a high note of positivity and faith and hope in God. For instance, on the cross, we remember the words of Jesus who quoted the very first words, the opening words of David's prayer in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you continue through that prayer, we find that David later sings in that Psalm For God has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. In that prayer, it goes from helplessness to hope. But while most of the Psalms end on such a high note, there are a couple of exceptions. Psalms 39 and 88. Tonight, we're going to take a brief look at one of those, Psalm 88. It's a psalm that was written by a musician by the name of Heman. He was one of the sons of Korah, and perhaps he was involved in authoring and writing other songs in the psalms. But we don't know that for sure. But at any rate, when we turn to Psalm 88, we read, O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. Turn your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care." You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend." bummer. Heman begins by acknowledging God by using the name Lord, which translates Yahweh, the personal covenantal name that the people of God knew him by. Heman also proclaims that God is his savior. He says he is the God who saves me. So it is important to remember that Heman, along with the Israelites, had a covenantal relationship with God. He was a man of faith. But right after his initial intimate acknowledgement of God, he pours out his darkness before him. And he never lets his foot off the gas pedal. The image of darkness is repeated three times in his prayer. In verse 6, he describes God as putting him in the darkest depths of the lowest pit. It doesn't get any darker than that. In verse 12, he cries out in frustration, questioning if God's wonders, his miracles, his works can be realized and proclaimed in the darkness of death, destruction, and oblivion. You see, Heman wants to sing and declare the amazing love and the mighty works of God, but the darkness threatens to overwhelm him. How can he praise God if he's dead, which he feels like he's very much on his way toward? In verses 4 and 5, he is completely zapped of his strength and feels as if death is near. He's knocking on his door and he is destined to join those before him who have died in the grave. He feels cut off from God, forgotten and abandoned by him. He cries out to God day and night. He says morning and evening. But he senses nothing but rejection. Do you feel where he is? Perhaps you've been there. Heman even feels as if the waves of God's wrath and fury are pounding against him over and over again. The force of wave after wave after wave wears him down and starts to overwhelm him, threatening to drown him in gloom and hopelessness. He's growing tired of fighting, have you ever been there. Heman is so down and depressed that he exaggerates like we sometimes do. Do you notice that? We can get so down that we can convince ourselves that no one cares, and nothing ever goes right for us. When you look back at what he says in verse 15, "From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. From the day I was born, I've known affliction and death. That's where he is right now. That may not be an accurate portrayal, but that's how he perceives things. Then in verse 16, your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood and have completely engulfed me. Have any of us ever felt as if our prayers were unheard? That our deepest cries of our hearts fell on deaf ears? Have we ever felt as if our strength was zapped from just struggling to tread water after wave after wave after wave and the water kept growing and growing and growing and we felt like just giving up? Things are so bad for Heman that he feels not only abandoned by God but by those closest to him the ones he loves when we went back in verse 8 he said you have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them verse 18 you have taken my companions and loved ones from me the darkness is my closest friend By the end of the psalm, Heman doesn't proclaim that God is his refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble, as the opening of Psalm 46 states. It is not God who is his closest friend and faithful companion at the end of this psalm, it is darkness. What in the world are we supposed to make of this psalm? Why would God have allowed it in Psalm 39 into the canon of Scripture? Number one, I think it shows us that suffering sometimes lasts longer than we would like and it never seems to end. Even as Christians, we sometimes endure lengthy seasons Of darkness during which God may seem silent. There may be times when we feel as if we can't go on with the knot in our stomachs, the holes in our hearts, and the darkness in our souls. Number two, I think this psalm demonstrates that we need to take our darkness to God in prayer and be honest about how we're feeling. God doesn't require that we sugarcoat our raw hurts and heartaches, pretending as if everything is okay when it is not. Honesty is not irreverence. Honesty is not irreverence. Number three, as the waves of darkness continue to pound us, we need to continue pounding out to God in prayer. Notice, even though Heman doesn't end his prayer on a hope-filled, joyful note of victory, he is still going to God in prayer. He hasn't given up, even though he might feel like it. The psalm shows us that Heman had ultimately not given up on God and God ultimately had not given up on him in his darkness. Today on this side of the cross, we have the benefit of knowing that God had not given up on him or us for that matter. You see, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Others, May have been repulsed by Heman. But Jesus, when he came, was repulsed by us. I remind you of Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53, verses 2 through 5. It says, talking about Jesus, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. How would you like to be known as a man of sorrows? <laughs> he was. And familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces. You know, you know what it's like to have somebody hide their face from you? You know what's meant by that? You know, I was with a, on a youth retreat one time and one of the youth workers was buddying up with a couple of guys in the youth group and they just, he was just having an issue with me in some form or fashion and so he was leading these other two guys astray and when I'd walk around the hallway, he'd do this. Now, That didn't stop me from going up. i you know, I'd deal with it. But what are they trying to convey? When somebody hides their face from you, what are they trying to convey They don't want to have anything to do with you. That's how Christ is being described right here. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed For our iniquities, that is our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. On the cross, Jesus was rejected, forsaken, and abandoned by God the Father so that we might not have to be. On the cross, Jesus entered and endured our darkness. So that we might not have to be cast outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you look in Matthew chapter 27 verses 45 and 46. We read there from the 6th hour that's 12 noon until the ninth hour that's 3 o'clock. Darkness came over the land. About the ninth hour, three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we come together here tonight, we come to remember that dark Evening before that dark day when the crucifixion took place. It was during this dark night before that that Jesus gave his followers the meal that we're about to celebrate and share together. In this meal, we are reminded of how Jesus' body was broken and how his blood was shed so that we might be forgiven of our sin, And not left forsaken in it, so that we might be accepted by our Heavenly Father and not rejected. On the cross, Jesus endured the cup of God's wrath so that we might drink of His living water filled with our Heavenly Father's joy. In the darkness of His death, we inherit abundant eternal life in the light of God.